award-winning half of those uh, years at least until I started doing TV. Who knew I'd end up on TV? But isn't real estate all about, you know, going out and mirroring your clients and putting on kind of, you know, getting that information to them and, and really finding solutions. And uh, basically it's having a great script. What, how are you going to serve? So, you know, here at the 500 Doors Real Estate Podcast, I love to talk to not only veteran real estate agents, but those who are in the scaling space, to those who are just launching their career. These are really important people to talk to because you know what? Success leaves clues. And we can't, you know, we can't find success within our own career if we are not looking at the success of others' careers. So Today brings me to, you know, somebody that's a little bit newer. So just so you know, according to the National Association of Realtors, 87% of those who get their license will be out of the business in the first 36 months. So it behooves me to bring somebody on who has just 36 months in the industry. Find out what he's doing to pivot and make a success, pay the bills, Keep moving forward and make things happen. So James, and I'm going to say this wrong, just so you know, I'll be, we'll figure it out later. I want to say Maba, James Maba, Maba, M-A-A-B-A, look him up folks, is an undeniable passion for helping others. From a young age, James was devoted countless hours to volunteering, going so far as to lead his local youth group, inspired by charitable the charitability of his mother. And we're going to talk about that father and grandparents. James seeks to give back to the community that has given so much to him by providing excellent service to his clients every single day. James found his love for real estate during his internship on a top 10 team at Douglas. Uh, I'm going to say element element. Uh, he expanded his knowledge through a second position at a high production office in Queens all while maintaining his education, he is no stranger to putting in the extra effort to make the attainable, attainable, unattainable, attainable. Woo! It's one of those mornings, folks. Work with me here. Uh, through the year 2020, which, as we all know, what happened in 2020? Not much, right? Uh, through the year 2020, it was filled with uncertainty. James was greatly inspired and took the opportunity to gain a better understanding of everything Manhattan has to offer. After only a single year as part of a of the fried team at Compass, his ever confident demeanor and professionalism were pivotal as he rented over 250 apartments, mounting amounting to approximately $12 million worth of real estate transactions, three years into his career as a full-time licensed real estate agent in Manhattan. 
James has built up a portfolio of over 85 plus buildings and is always eager to take on larger projects. James prides himself on having a master level understanding of everything a true New Yorker can indulge in. Amenities, options, flexibility, and sustainability. This is but a small testimonial to his passion for his craft, the immense growth he is capable of, and the dedication to service he, he represents. Armed with naturally contagious charisma, exceptional work ethic, and an unparalleled knowledge of New York City, James is a highly effective Manhattan specialist that will deliver results. Let's bring him in. James, that is quite, you You know what? I was awesome, but you've got to actually, I think there's your course. Most agents don't come into the business with a mission and a vision, and they sure don't have a bio. I think that should be a course right there. Write your bio. Get all that really awesome stuff out there because we all have awesome stuff. So welcome, Manhattan. Okay, you you, are, by the way, I was... uh, I was headed to New York for the first time in my life in 2020, but we know how that went. So um, it's still on my bucket list. I do couch surfing. That that might have been the best time to come because there was no traffic, no nothing, and tumbleweeds on the streets. Honestly, I get reminiscent when I think of the COVID days, minus all the, you know, death and destruction. When I was starting real estate, it felt like surreal. I get very nostalgic when I think about the COVID-19 days. I, I always tell my friends, I was like, the air smelled so much different back then. And I was like, anyway, cleaner. But yeah, he's <laughs> back up and running 100% now. So you should come back. Oh, I want, I so on my list. And I, and I know that you can get like cheap knockoff bags and everything. So I'm like going, okay, what's my bucket list and how long do I need in New York in order to accomplish everything? So I think I need about a month, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm a couch surfer. So I'm just forewarning you. I've got a list of like three people. You're now number four. So I figure a week at each spot. I got New York covered. All right. So, (laughs) So tell me a little bit, James, who are you? So who am I? Um, The bio is a very elongated version of who I am, but who I am really is, my name is James Maba, or Maaba is the official way to pronounce it. Maaba, okay. Yeah, but I just, I've just gone with Maaba. So I'm 22 years old. I'm a partner on the free team. Um, I live in Queens, New York, which is one of the five boroughs in the city. I majored in finance. I never thought I would take a career in real estate. When I was younger, my mom always told me, though, that I have a big mouth and I know how to use it. So when I got into finance, I was figuring out what I was sitting there in finance and I was thinking, huh, I don't feel like I'm using my big mouth and I feel like I'm not using it to my highest potential. So I just wasn't satisfied, pivoted out, um, luckily, while I was in school. Um, and then now I'm in real estate, but yeah, I can go more into depth of that story if, if you'd like. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because what is it? 3 million. We have 3 million licensed real estate agents now. Like when I started real estate, it was 1.5, 1.2. So we're 3 million licensed real estate agents. We are in a deficit when it comes to affordable housing. We are in uh, interest climbing upward. We are in, um, you know, inflationary within our our standard of living, food, anything and everything. I mean, we're in really interesting times. And to see somebody 
as young as yourself come in. And just so you know, every person I've met that actually has succeeded like you have and has planted ends up like I know a guy who started 19 years of age in Toronto or in New York. Um, and he owns one of the largest coaching firms in, in North America now. Plus, he owns his own plane. Just saying, there's big things in front of you, right? So, uh, there's so a, there's a plane coming. There my you way. go. There's a plane <laughs> coming your way. Yeah, I gotta get a bigger driveway. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about a little bit about what you do because you pivot. This is not the actual sales of real estate. This is renting. So if somebody's sitting in Kansas, this is not something they do. I mean, nobody rents anything in Kansas because you can go and buy something for 150,000, yeah, yeah. right? So tell, talk to me a little bit about how you pivoted and does this align with who you are today? Because we know that as real estate agents, we need to mirror our clients as, as effectively as possible. So we have that no like trust that, that rapport with them. Talk to me a little bit about what you do and how you shifted, how you took 2020 and used that as a pivotal year. Correct. Yeah. So, um, in order to understand why I got into rentals, we have to think about why I started real estate in the first place. So I was working at white castle after white castle the day, I, the day i realized i didn't want to work at white castle anymore was the day i was cleaning literal poop off the floor in the bathroom every morning at 7 a.m and i it got to that point where i was like i don't want to do this anymore so then i started looking for exit exit strategies to get out of that industry and i was looking everywhere to go i, I interviewed at best buy i interviewed at this grocery store i just wanted to get out of the you know the, the physical labor uh of working and then i got picked up by this job at keller williams it's called the dfi it's the director of first impressions it's it's um it's a fancy title meaning front desk but hey i was a director so i can't complain much but at keller williams i realized the value of the dollar more so because for the same amount of money that i was using what i was making at white castle which is a fast food restaurant in the states I was busting my ass every single day, eight hours every single day, doing boxes, meat, like dragging stuff left, right. I made $15 an hour. At Keller Williams, I was sitting on a desk, just picking up the phone, giving keys to agents, giving commission checks to agents. I was making the same amount of money. And it made me realize that it is not necessarily how hard you work, but the value you add to others that pays you in dividends. Uh, that being said, I kept using I was in school for a finance degree around 2020, uh, 2020, 2021. I graduated last year. Uh, I was just focusing on getting my finance degree. And I was just like, I was there working every single day. And the agents always told me, you know what, James, you would be a good agent. And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm just collect my 15 bucks, put it in my pocket, you know, whatever. I don't care. And then, you know, I kept thinking about it. Maybe I should get my real estate license. And the reason I did that is because I gave out that as you go, as you um, stay longer and longer at Keller Williams, your responsibility grows. So at first you're just picking up phone calls, then you're giving out keys. And then after about the two and a half month mark, they start letting you give out commission checks. <laughs> and if you're a broker, uh, everyone knows where this is going because I was over here sitting happy with my $15 an hour. And I was, you know, you know, doing absolutely nothing for $15 an hour, essentially compared to what I was doing before. And then I started giving out commission checks of $50,000, $60,000. And I'm like, oh, what? I was, I was like, like, all these people come in. All they do is they come in, they smile at me. I give them keys and then they, I give them a check for $50,000 in a month. 
I was like, how hard could it be? How hard could it be? Oh, you did not say that. That's my I husband's was, infamous words. Yeah. Go into real estate. Like, it looks easy. Yeah, yeah. It's funny now because I was like, it's, I feel like as we get, as I get older, I'm starting to realize that a lot of people my age are starting to use real estate as an exit strategy from their jobs. And then they're starting to realize that it's not easier than their jobs. It's actually 10 times harder. So, you know. Well, and a lot of people your age, I mean, there's a reason that the universities now have soft skill courses. Like you actually will take a soft skill course, uh, just how to talk to people at universities now, because so many younger people, their entire life has been interfaced through a computer keyboard. They yeah. don't have those uh, the ability to gauge and and mirror, and they don't have the language abilities. So, so okay, so you're handing out these fifty thousand dollar checks. Just so you know, folks, this is New York. New York has fifty thousand. If you're in Kansas, yeah. those checks are five thousand dollars, but that's okay. It's still a lot of money. So. <laughs> Keep going. So you're handing this out. You're still working on your degree. You're no longer scrubbing toilets. Um, and yeah, you know, good on up. Keller Williams. Good on Keller Williams. Yeah. So good, good brokerage there. So tell me a little bit. So you're handing this out. You're getting the degree. What was the conversation with friends and family? Because that's typically the first place we start talking to people about shifting, like when we're looking at a pivotal moment. Well, keep in mind, it was one of those things where it was more internally that I was deciding this as opposed to externally. I didn't start voicing it to my family and friends. And even if I did, was I was expressing interest in doing it only as something to do, not a full-time career yet, because I was still thinking finance, finance, finance. But then when I started giving out these checks, I started doing more research in the industry. Then I started seriously thinking about it. But nobody started giving me any advice or any feedback or anything because i haven't yet started it's just a, like a seed you know when you're 19 years old there's all these things that you want to be there's all these ideas throwing around i didn't know real estate was going to stick so the day that i decided to finally all right let's do real estate is because i kept using the same excuse over and over again i was like right now i don't have time you know, I have tests, I have finals, I have work. I don't have time to get my license. I'll get it when I have time. I'll get it when I have time after I graduate. Then, almost as if like a sign from God, COVID happened and shut down everything. So the yeah. office was closed, schools are remote. And then I was just, I remember, I remember the day the office was officially closing. I was sitting on that front desk and I just started like, I was like almost smiling to myself because I was just thinking, I was like, Oh, you know, God, God has a little, has funny things sometimes for you. It's like, I kept pushing the excuse one day, one day, one day, one day. Then God was like, you know what, James, screw you. I'm closing everything down. Now you have no excuse to get started. So then I got licensed online, which tumbled me into the career I am in now. Amazing. So, um, and were people actually buying or doing anything? Like, tell me a little bit of difference between uh, sales and the rental market and why yeah. it, when you talk about 85 plus buildings walk me through this because two-thirds of north america does not live like uh new york right or yeah. toronto or vancouver so two-thirds of the united states is is not in that market so walk me through how you came up with that decision and where you think that's going to move forward for you over the next few years 
Yeah, exactly. So, well, in order to, well, first we need to understand that we need to set the stage, as you said, Kim, because a lot of people don't understand the way New York City works in terms of real estate. So as of today, New York City has approximately, I think like 8.4 million people living in the city. With that being said, the rental rate, like the ratio for renters to owners, there is an 85% of that population that rents in New York City. So there was a huge market for rent rentals. It not it wasn't a pivot. Let's it wasn't like oh I was doing sales, realized it wasn't going to work, transitioned into rentals. It was a strategy I had since the beginning. I realized that the odds were stacked against me, right? Especially in a prestigious market like Manhattan. How does someone my age who knows nobody in the city go up against these giants that have been doing million, five million, ten million dollar transactions like nothing, like every single month? Yeah. And my, it was a barrier to entry. Everybody knows Manhattan real estate is one of the hardest in the world. It's, it's chews you up and spits you out. The only way I was able to get into this market was by rentals. And this was happening at a time during, it was almost like the perfect storm. COVID happened and 65% of all apartments in Manhattan were vacant. So landlords were bleeding. Everybody knew there was this mass exodus from the city during COVID, any yeah. major city. It was the, all over the news. New York City is dead. Ah, oh, everybody's moving. Ah, oh, and it was like yeah. it felt dead. I mean, remember what I said in the beginning, Kim? I was like, there's a little tumbleweed like just across the street. Yeah. Like, New, York City, <laughs> New York City felt dead, and all of a sudden, it was the perfect storm because number one, I'm new, right? I'm new. I'm hungry. I can get this done, and I kept telling like the landlords. I kept telling people. I was like, this is new territory for everybody. This market is a market that nobody has ever seen before in the history of real estate. Granted, I've only been working for three months, but I, that was a pretty bold statement for me to make. <laughs> I was like, so in my head, the way I justified it, it was like, let's take it like this. Every agent has years of experience. They have dozens of deals that they complete, but all of a sudden we're shoved into a market that nobody's ever experienced before. And I told landlords, now we're at the same level playing field because now we're all, we're all, trudging through this water at the same time everybody's in the dark nobody knows what they need to do so number one would you rather have somebody who is comfortable in another market a high producer in a market of the past that had yeah. a system in place now all of a sudden has to suddenly pivot or number two as a landlord would you rather have somebody who's young ambitious and willing to learn to to figure out this market with you so that's how I was able to tackle my first few buildings. Cause I told the landlords, ah, these guys with 50 years of experience, they know nothing. We're all in the same boat now. So you might as well use somebody who's funny. I was like, if we're going to get through this, we might as well get through this smiling. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. No. Exactly. Yeah, I and like, I know that New York, like for the first time in history, like the, the prices were coming down. Like it was crazy watching New York from afar because it is, it is a market that many of us watch. It is a kind of a, a it's that canary, right? It's a canary yeah. in the coal mine. The way I describe the New York market in relation to real estate is there are major hubs in the U.S. It's New York, L.A., you know, and then the, the Southerns and then Chicago, Miami, whatever. The pivotal cities, whatever, the trends of the cities trickle down to the surrounding areas around it. So I didn't get to talk about this in my bio because that was my real estate agent bio, but I also invest on real estate in the side. So okay. yeah, in order to 
get the jump. It's good to be in the know of New York City because you know if New York City goes down, Jersey's coming next. Jersey goes down, Pennsylvania happens next. It's kind of like a ripple effect. So yeah, I, I, I consider New York as one of those pioneer cities uh, where if the trends start looking a certain way, you know it's going to have a lasting impact on the country or the surrounding areas. So yeah, I, I think, yeah. I was just geeking out a little bit about that. No, I love it. I love it. I am I I am big into all the stats and such, and and I'm big into, and, and I agree because I mean we have we have an issue happening in Calgary that we've actually been in since 2015 because oil is dead pretty much in Canada. Not because it's not here. It's because yeah. there is a an absolute refusal to use the oil in Canada. They'd rather honestly buy it from regimes that kill and castrate than, than have it in North America. But now Calgary's moving on. It's moving on from oil, right? So we're actually having to find, but we actually had one of the lowest performing real estate markets in North America in 2017. Like wow. literally, like, <laughs> I mean, there were people who were dropping the Detroit word. <laughs> Oh. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, so not the reality, here. Don't, don't yeah. hear it. <laughs> um, so the, and, and that, and so we have literally right now vacant. We have we have one building that I think it's like twenty six stories downtown. It's one hundred percent empty and has been for six years. Is that is why I feel like we used to be sort of we used to be the economic hub for. Uh, gas and oil, and and got we it. were where all the white collars were. So this got was it, all it, the white collar jobs. When gas and oil was crucified, which by the way, uh, DiCaprio I think is just selling his like twenty thousand square foot vacation home, Mister. You know, watch my eco footprint, right? Mr. Mr. Yeah, yeah, friendly. yeah. <laughs> Mr. Environmental friendly that didn't know what a Chinook was. It's like, dude, don't talk about the melting of the North if you don't know what a Chinook is. But so, unfortunately, just a few, and that's that whole cancel culture. Just a few people literally have swayed the entire world perception on our primary. The primary your way um, of life you're pretty yeah. much your way of life your livelihood people's jobs but part of the way part of that issue comes back to infrastructure and being preemptive right you were preemptive you went out you were preemptive you knew there was an opportunity you took advantage of it and calgary didn't really do that back in the 80s uh, when denver pivoted they should have pivoted denver is an iconic city right in the way yeah. that it has yeah. pivoted Every time, right? Um, but let's go back to real estate, folks, because now you've all heard me spew on about the Calgary real estate market. Um, but yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about, I want to dig in a little bit about being a new agent and how you navigate the, <laughs> almost the, the animal kingdom of old agents. Because come on, let's face it, folks, old agents can be a little stuck in their ways and a little crotchety at times. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you got in and started navigating this entire world of learning, growing, integrating within, because real estate is kind of its own ecosystem. It's its own space, right? Yeah. So first and foremost, I can't credit all my success to myself. Obviously, it comes from the people around you. Uh, real estate is the largest 
or I mean, every business is a relationship-based business, but I feel like real estate heavily relies on that aspect. So when I was picked up by my partner now, Judah Freed, he already had a portfolio that he was managing because he's been in real estate for 10 plus years. But what he did see was potential in somebody that was working their ass off and everybody was leaving. So he took me on and ever since then, we just grew the business substantially. Now that formalities aside, now I can say like the way I'm tackling the market is very different than how other agents might tackle New York City. And that's because other agents most of the time can utilize their network in a way that gets them large accounts. Me, I like to think of myself as an outsider. I still think I'm an outsider. So how does an outsider like myself create a stronghold or a foot or a presence in a market that is so heavily relied on relationships. And some of these relationships have been like four generations worth of families just keeping with the same, you know, how do you even break into that mold? Instead of like banging your head against the wall, what you do is you look in the cracks in the wall. So the cracks in the wall come from individual investors, condo co-op owners, small family landlords, any single place that you can take uh, any single place that you can make an impression, you do. So that's what I was targeting. I was targeting individual owners. I was targeting small family landlords. Maybe they have one building that they're managing or two buildings that they own. And, you know, I'm just working my way up, building up my portfolio by tackling this project, tackling this project. And as you perform, you have to always keep the people in mind before the profits. I'm at a stage in my business where, you know, it's funny, my girlfriend asked me last night, she's like, James, do you ever still get worried that you won't have any inventory or vacancies? And I told her, yes, <laughs> I'm always worried that I won't have things to rent. I won't, I won't have things to you know, produce from, but it just comes from the consistent banging your head against the wall and finding the cracks. It comes from constantly networking. It comes from talking to small family landlords and then doing a good job with them, focusing on their problems and solving it. There have been times where I've lowered my broker fee in order to get a deal done because I know this client is going to be good for this particular landlord. So instead of making the X amount of dollars I'd make, I'd say, all right, knock 20% off. Let's get this deal done. Because the name, yeah, because the name of the game for rentals as opposed to sales is for sales, the higher the listing price, the more commission you get. That's the way it works. For rentals, you're not going to be making, you're not going to be, producing at the same level as sales, it becomes in the velocity of rentals you're doing. It's the numbers you're turning out, how many transactions you're actually doing, as opposed to the size of the transactions you're doing. You know, an agent who does five $20,000 deals makes less business than an agent who did $23,000 deals. So that's how it works with rentals, because the more people you touch, the more people you meet and rentals is like quick. But that's 85% of the market in New York is renting. Correct. 100%. So you yep. have a much larger piece pool you know, to play pool. with. Yeah. Okay. So you know what? You just tapped on something. Repeat referral business is what we try to top teach right from the beginning. Because in real estate, if you can nurture and grow your real estate business for 10 plus years, and you're nurturing your repeat referral business along with that, you literally don't have to go out to find any more business at that 10-year mark because you'll be making more than enough money if you've nurtured all along. Tell me your first top three things of nurturing your repeat referral business. So the first thing that I do to nurture repeat referral business is you have to stay top of mind, not in an annoying way, but whenever, first of all, you have to come up with a specialty because 
most of these people in Manhattan or in any market, if they're large investors, they have a guy for everything, right? They have a guy who buys the buildings for them. And then they have a guy who rents the buildings for them. And then they have a guy who refinances. Everybody has their guy. So first of all, you need to first target the problem that this particular person has. If you're in a smaller market where you're just doing single family homes, buying and selling, still, you have to target a problem that this person has. It might not necessarily be a guy, but there's everybody has a situation or problem that you can fix. You have to figure out how you, how your little cog fits in their in their in their gears. So number one, find the problem, and exploit is the wrong word, but find the problem and work to find a solution, and figure out how yeah. you can bring that solution to them. So during COVID, problem was easy. The problem was the same across the board. It was rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Problem was vacancies. What's the solution? You have a strategy in place. You have to come with a plan before you meet these people. Okay, so that's number one, stay top of mind. I guess number two would be discovering the problem. And then number three would be executing it. But if we were to like even take a step back and look at a transaction as a whole, your first transaction will not be your only transaction. And you have to remember that I, I might have learned this quicker than others because I do so many transactions at a small level. But if you do one transaction and it's a sale, it takes three months, you know, then you're thinking, ah, I'll never see that person again, you know, because it's like buying and selling homes is more concrete than rentals. So I'm coming in with a very jaded perspective as opposed to buyer and seller agents who, you know, help someone find a home. And then when's the next time someone's going to be buying a personal home, you know? But you have to remember that your first transaction won't be your last one. So you have to always keep in contact with them, keep in touch, and never never take the selfish route during a transaction because that's the way people will remember you in the long run. So you have to always yeah. put them first. You have to remember that as agents, we are like we we are serving them. It is an honor to work with a client. It's not a client's honor to work with us. No matter how high producing you are, you always have to understand that they are the heart and soul of your business and they're the ones essentially that pay you. So yeah, I mean, it's, that's. Are, are your rental clients, are any of them turning into buyers? Do you, do you think that there's a percentage there that you will be able to nurture into buyers, which then turn into home sellers? Yeah. So that, that goes into my long-term goal for my team. It just so happens that I've only been in the industry serious. I've been in the industry for three years, but seriously, I've been in the industry for two years performing at this level. Um, wow. and, and for two, and you know, for two years, it's hard for a renter to suddenly transition into a buyer in Manhattan. Oh yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, this is kind of like my plan. Um, and that's well, and there, and there may be opportunities for you to align with, you know, people within the mortgage industry and start offering free, uh, online courses and uh, learning opportunities and saving opportunities and things like that, that to help nurture the hopeful home buyer, right? Well, I'm actually, I'm going to write that down, Kim. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that, 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 that would be such an amazing, um, you have the audience. So, because you have the audience of 85 plus buildings, right? So you have, you have the audience. So yeah, turning those, turning those in. What's the number one thing that you think that uh, you wish you would have known when you were taking your license? Number one thing I wish I would have known. There's, a, I think it's a lesson every real estate agent learns, but I think, and it's something we learned since we're kids, it's honesty is the best policy with everything that we do in our business. 
more so I've been feeling it in prices. When I was when I was starting in the industry, especially during COVID, I made promises I couldn't keep. You know, oh, I can 100% rent this out for $4,000. I can get this rented out for $3,500. Not doing research, not being honest with them, even though I know I can't rent it out. But because in my head, I'm thinking, if I don't say this, someone else will say this and take the listing away from yeah. me. Yeah. You know? So I think honesty goes a long way because let's say they're meeting with a lot of new brokers like you or like me two years ago. People are going to say BS all the time to get a listing. But if you tell them straight up, this is what this is what I think it is worth, and this is why, while being respectful, because a lot of these things have emotional attachment to them, you have to be respectful because you have to understand that there's an emotional price they put in their head versus yeah. the real market price that you have to present to them. So and you have to and you have to give them respect in the sense that they have to make their own choices, right? Yeah. They have to make their own choices. Um, I I have. Um, one of my favorite stories is my husband. Uh, my husband is phenomenal when it comes to numbers. I'm just going to put that right out there. He can predict within on in in tighter markets within three percent, two three percent of where a house will land, no matter how long it's on the market. He's really good at it. We got a call to list a property and uh, my husband gave them the price and they ended up going with the other agent for $5,000 more. The house sat on the market for four months. They ended up spending all that money plus then and then the property ended up selling for exactly what my husband said. Four years later, we get this call from these people who we did not get the deal from and they said, we have a property that we want to sell now and we're going, okay. So go in, we give them a price, but they wanted to list higher. So it's like, okay, you know what? We'll do it your way. Right. But we ended up, it ended up selling for what we initially said. Um, and then they ended up buying and selling like four properties through us because the first agent they went with bought the listing. That's called buying the listing is when you give the homeowner, whatever their emotional, when you sit here and go, what do you want for the property? Right. All you're doing is opening yourself up for an argument, yeah. right? Because the homeowner, every homeowner has, they, they, and they should, and by rights, they should, every property owner should be able to, uh, see the greatest value within their investment. Right. Well, I mean, we're dealing with people's legacy. Yeah, I mean, most of, stop and the, think about it. Yeah. Most of these things are people's biggest investment of their lives. Yeah. And it's not for, for us as agents, it might just be a number on a sheet or a commission check at the end of the month. But for them, it's their biggest, like, like selling thing they've ever done in their entire life. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, we talked a little bit beforehand. We know, I know that you come from a really awesome family. And I mean, obviously with a personality like yours, your mom must be a rock star. But tell me, <laughs> what does community mean to you? Because you've actually talked a bit about community. Um, uh, what does community mean to you? And how does that play within real estate? Community means to me is it's a group of individuals that help each other without expecting things in return. It's a group of people that share a, a common purpose, a common goal, and they're all helping each other altruistically. What that means is in any community you're in, whether it be family, friends, 
uh, mentorships, masterminds, everybody's there for one purpose or connected by one, connected somehow in some way. And I feel like, you know, that's, that's the bonds that bring people together. And community is one of those things where you can use it to your advantage or you can um, be selfish and not even tap into it at all. You know, I feel like everybody has a community that they can be a part of. Everyone has a community they can make an impact on. And I feel like community is one of those things where people just give without expecting things in return. Absolutely. And that leads into your volunteerism. And just so everybody knows, uh, real estate agents, hello, uh, more real estate agents should volunteer. We now have 3 million licensed real estate agents, yet 20 only 27% of North American society adults actually volunteer. So if you're volunteering, you are already ahead of 73% of your competitors. Just say it. Just saying, yeah. you know, I, it's a great, great way to network and and uh, align with like minded people. Yeah. But, uh, like even like even financial motivation aside, I believe if you are successful in real estate, you have the opportunity to change other people's lives for the better. You know, because at the end of the day, if you're good at real estate, you're making money. You know, that's how it works. And we yeah. have and. As, as we know, Kim, as you said in the beginning, 85% of or 65% of agents quit within the first three years. 87%. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> the, numbers, you know? the numbers go up every time I, but yeah, so it's like, it's one of those things. Somebody where, here on Facebook says run for political office. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. no, I'm not about, yeah. They've asked yeah. me here in Canada and it's like, yeah, I don't think I'd be a good politician. So yeah. Um, I bet I'll make yeah, you a cake. The, yeah, the, and yeah, I think I think you'd do a better impact on the sideline, continuing to do your community service the way you do it now. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, what were we saying before the political? We were talking about volunteerism and. Oh community. yeah, 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 yeah. So like it's like you said, eighty-seven percent of agents give up before they even start, or two like you know two years, but in two years they're gone. And that means we have 13% of agents who are performing at a high level who have the opportunity to teach these 87% that give up. And it's not just like, oh, sorry, go ahead, Kim. Yeah, and there's room for everybody. There is room. 100%. I do believe yeah. there is room. And there's especially if you take, yeah. yeah, there's always room. There's always room. Um, what's the one book you think everybody, sh every new agent should read? Uh, I've been reading this book. It's from this guy named Keith Ferrazzi is called Never Eat Alone. I love that book. It, it's, um, although I seem like I'm very extroverted and I like to talk and I have a big mouth, which I do, I still feel very uncomfortable in situations where I'm forced to network myself. And I feel like that book took the emotional aspect of networking and put it to a science. And I love yeah. that about it. It said like, out of the 10 people you meet, like, like, well, for example, out of like 10 people that you meet, you, out of a conference of like a thousand people, there's maybe five or six people in that conference that you should be focusing on. You do research beforehand, therefore you can do a, a, a more impactful conversation than just giving business cards. And I use that strategy every day now. I always do research on someone before I meet them. Like Kim, I literally have like seven Google tabs open with everything you've done. <laughs> like, 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 like it's like, cause you really get to connect with them quicker than just Oh, hey, Kim. Hey, James. What are you doing? How are you? You know, it's like if you learn about somebody, you you have that more that you have you're that much closer to making an impact or a lasting impression as opposed to just giving them a business card and running off. So, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And you know what? Uh, 
I think what you're talking about, though, is very common for a lot of us. I'm very much an expert, uh, 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 extrovert, and I would prefer to introduce other people than to introduce myself. Yeah. So I think that's a very normal kind of scenario. I love, I love doing introductions. I love, you know, walking around the room. Hey, this is my friend. She's done three movies. She's amazing. You've got to meet her. And then yeah. they go, what do you do? You go, well, not much. I've done a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I think that's very, very uh, normal human behavior, but it's something that doesn't pay. So yeah. as a real estate agent, we have to be very clear. I have sold more houses and I have done more of this. I am an expert at this. I can serve you. And I think that's put in that very definitive space, but within the truth. And that's that's the not boasting, but definitive and truthful is really important for real estate agents. James, if we wanted to follow you and learn from you, because we know that success leaves clues, where can we follow you? How can we track you down? So I think the best way to track me is my Instagram account. It's James underscore SH Maba. So James underscore Shmaba. It's one of those things that I've kept since high school <laughs> and I thought it sounded cool. So I was like, all right. And yeah, and first and foremost, I'm still a student of everything. I'm, I'm soaking things up like a sponge. My biggest goal for this upcoming year is I'm trying to find a mentor for real estate investing because I believe every agent should invest in real estate because it's a natural progression, you know, like why wouldn't you invest in real estate if you're an expert in buying and selling homes and you know the impact it makes on their lives, it can make the same impact on you as well. So yeah, that's my biggest goal. So I'm trying to find a mentor for that. Uh, but James underscore Shmaba on Instagram and I have a YouTube channel. That's just my name, James Maba. Wonderful. All right. So I want you to close this out. Uh, quote, give us a quote, something that inspires you. So <laughs> It used to be a really big running joke with my family when I was a kid, but my dad always says this quote and it's like, it goes, when it's your turn to shine, shine the brightest. And he said that about my little brother playing basketball. But I think that quote applies to everyday life and in business particularly, because I believe business has a little bit to do with a perceived luck. So everybody has an opportunity to explode. Everyone has the opportunity to impress others. Everyone has the opportunity to perform at a high level. It's just, when you're given that opportunity, you might as well go out, shine, go out all the way, shine the brightest. Don't go half, don't half ass it. Don't doubt yourself. If you're given that spotlight and you're given that opportunity, you better perform your ass off because that might be the last time you get. So you might as well do it to the fullest. And that's, that's the quote that I would Absolutely. My, yeah. Cause you're already sitting at no. If you haven't asked, if you haven't stepped up, you're already at no. So you got nothing to lose. Go yeah. for it. Absolutely. Well, James, I can't thank you enough for um, coming into real estate and giving it some fresh energy and perspective and, and you know, yeah. that excitement. That's Let's awesome. See. Let's see and how much excitement we got in five years, right? <laughs> right <now we're> <laughs> you're going to, you're going to do amazing. Mark my word, folks. I'm going to make some predictions here. I believe by the time James hits his 10 year mark in real estate, he will have, uh, he will also be coaching, leading and mentoring other agents. Um, he will have multiple investments and, uh, 
uh, I would think you will actually have a couple books out underneath them because, you know, when you have positive energy and perspective like James, and you remind me much like uh, Brian Buffini, my personal favorite real estate coach is Brian Buffini. And he is the young man that started out in New York City as an Irish immigrant and ended up breaking his leg right after he landed in the United States. And he has gone on and done an amazing job. So one of my other favorite podcasts to listen to is Brian Babini because he's just fun. At half time, you, I can't understand. I can't understand what he says half the time. Because... I bet you for him, he's thinking in his head, there was definitely someone in Ireland that said, hey, Brian, break a leg. He definitely, <laughs> he's definitely like rethinking. He knows yeah. exactly. Like he has that, he has that name in his head. And when he broke his leg, as he touched down, he was like, Oh, that bastard. You know, he's definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but... <laughs> so be careful what you wish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. You know what, James? Thank you so much for your time. Um, I'm Kim Hayden. I'm your host here at 500 Doors. All we're doing is finding out what makes great real estate, be it investment, development, sales, renting, whatever it is. We got you covered here. We're inviting all the best out there, no matter where they are in their phase or space of real estate and their career journey. So until next time, do take a listen uh, based on investment. Take a listen to Jennifer Beatles and uh, for invest agent, agentinvest.com and Luke Anders. They both talk a lot about uh, real estate agents who are actively investing in real estate. Until next time, I'll see you back here. 500 doors. Oh,